world, welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about how to tell whether your developer is any good or not. And I tell you what, heading into the new year, and we actually are in the new year now, you might be out there looking for property. So I wanted to get our special guest, Mickey Limmer, back on since his role is to go out there and find good deals for the investors we work with here at Opus Partners. But one of the most opaque parts of property investment, one of the hardest parts, is how to determine whether a developer is any good or not. So what I want to do is I want to show you the exact process that we go through. I want to tell you the parts that you can steal so that when you're out there looking for developers, if you do or don't want to use a property investment company, you guys are going to have the skills to be able to go out and do some due diligence on a developer. But Mickey, walk us through what are some of the warning signs or the red flags that you look for when choosing a developer for an investment property? So I guess the easiest way for me to sum up that, Ed, is by giving you a bit of an example of a recent developer that approached us asking if we could sell their development in Shirley. We reviewed it. We sent through a development review on that to them. They accepted it. So what do you mean by that? So so what you mean is you've looked at the initial numbers, you've looked at the plans, said, hey, at this kind of purchase price, it works as an investment that we'd recommend. We'd put our name to this. Yes. Yeah. And then? And then we obviously looked at the rents in the area, looked at what we had comparable property for sale at those sort of figures and priced that accordingly. So got a good deal. Yes. But then didn't proceed because? They went through our service level agreement process, which is we're essentially lifting the skirt on the developers to make sure that what they say they're going to produce is actually what they're going to produce. This is a, a due diligence process where Correct. we're going through perhaps 23 different items to make sure that this developer is reputable. Now, what did you find out through that process? Essentially, we found that the developer was actually based in a North Island town or Tauranga, and they worked for a main New Zealand employer. So hang on, they weren't actually developers full-time, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, they okay. certainly weren't. And they were managing the projects from Tauranga that were getting completed in Christchurch. They had one development currently under construction. When we reviewed the website, they said that they prided themselves on 20 years of project management experience and development experience, and that their projects were either always early or at very least on time. Right, that's good. Yeah, but we found that the development that they were currently under construction was was like four months overdue. <laughs> so the very things that they're priding themselves on are the things that they're not actually producing. I can tell you this from experience in developing. You struggle when you're in the city doing a project, keeping an eye on the progress, let alone being in a completely different island. Yeah, I mean, some of the developers that we work with, they're on site every single day. Right. They, they are riding them like Farlat to get the developments completed. Okay, so that's <laughs> a really good example of what anybody at home would be able to do as well, is if you're looking at a developer and they're a bit green, a bit new, are they in the same city? And I think another one of the red flags in that situation is that they're talking about we've got all these years of project management experience, so we're very experienced. But here's the thing, managing Fonterra or you're operating some projects at Fonterra is very different from building some townhouses in a completely different city. You can't micromanage the development and things just don't get done. 
I also think the big part of that is whether or not this is actually your job, whether or not you're actually involved in property development day in and day out. You're living and, and breathing it. Yeah, and, and certainly in a time like this where the market is hard and the margins are being squeezed, if you're dealing with an armchair developer, I sometimes call them, or a less experienced developer, stuff's going to go wrong, I promise you. And what will inevitably happen is you'll get the project finished and there'll be loose ends and it'll be really hard to get them fixed. Or, worse yet, they won't finish the project and, yeah, your deposit might be protected, but now you're having to go through the hassle of getting your money back from the developer and finding another project because that one was never going to work anyway. And I think there's going to be a lot of that next year. So that's why it's really important for you at home to know again, how to spot some of these red flags. Okay, so give us another example of a developer that, okay, the project is fine, the property's fine, but the developer, something that was a bit off, made you think we're not going to go ahead with that. I'll tell you one. So I met with a developer just recently. The pricing on his project was great. The location was okay. I did a bit of digging. It didn't smell right. Now, this is just one of those things that that comes with experience. And you at home probably aren't going to have that same level of experience as me. I get that. But what I'd say then is you want to ask as many questions as possible. So I had a meeting, took down a million notes, and then looked. Couldn't read any of them with your handwriting. (laughs) And then afterwards, I did a bit of research. And so one of the questions that I always ask a developer is, how are you funding the project? And again, I know a lot of the people that are the financiers. And so I picked up the phone and rang his financier and said so he said it's so and so and And you thought okay I'll call him yeah I got home that night and I rang this guy and I said hey something doesn't smell right about this developer tell me about him and he said who's that and I said the guy in Christchurch that you're financing a project for he goes no I'm not and then I realized ah he's telling lies okay so you found one thing that was quite a big lie, it really. It was the first thing that I, the first th- check that I did. And after that, I thought, no point doing any other checks. If he's lying about where he's getting his finance from, he probably doesn't have his finance. Okay, so if you're picking up even one little lie, in this case quite a large lie, that could be indicative of some of the other stuff might also not be true. Now, what you could do at home, because you're probably not going to be able to ring a funder, <laughs> because they're not going to tell you, is you might do this. You might ask a developer, hey, who are you doing your finance through? And they might say, I'm doing it through Kiwi Bank. Now, if they're doing it through a bank, that's probably quite a it's probably a really good sign that they've got a lot of equity in the project. Most of them won't be, by the way. Then what you could do is you can actually go on and you can look up who the mortgage for that property is through, and it will say Kiwi Bank. And if it says Kiwi Bank, then you know you're good. Now, if they say Kiwi Bank, and then you go and look and it's actually ASAP Finance, who do a lot of development funding, then one or two things is happening. Either one, they're lying. Or two, they're going to do the development finance with ASAP finance. So don't necessarily jump to the conclusion that someone's lying there. Well, similarly, the other thing is, let's say you're selling me a property because you're a developer, and I ask you who the funding is, you tell me ASB Bank. I go look up online who the registered mortgage is, and it's with ANZ Bank. But what could happen is you just haven't settled on that property yet and the mortgage is currently still with whoever owns the property. Now that's actually another really good thing you want to do. You want to ask someone if they own the land already. If they don't, you need to make sure that they have an unconditional contract to buy the land. Because I can go and sign up for some land off Mickey and then I can sell a bunch of units to you and then I might not get my pre-sales, and so therefore I might not end up buying that land, and I might just cancel all the contracts. Now, 
again, you don't want to be in a situation where you've signed up for something, you waited six months, and now it's not going ahead. Whereas if that property, if that land is already in my name, then I'm far more likely to push ahead with that project. Not necessarily guaranteed, but again, just something that you could try at home if you're doing this yourself. One of the other things that I do every time is I jump on Google and I'll have a look at who's involved in the company. I'll look at the shareholders and the directors and then I'll Google their names. Now, it sounds simple, but you'd be amazed at how many things come up. I'm working with some investors at the moment that we're going to get out of a project. So what's happened is a project has been unsuccessful from a developer standpoint. The developers have have dropped the ball on it. They've sold the project to someone else. The someone else developer, they've got a checkered history. Now, I searched Google and found this, and I want to make sure that if we're going to go down the path of endorsing this, that all the directors and shareholders are decent people. And I don't know that I could hand on heart say that, So because I've done that research, we can say, actually, they're not people we want to be involved with. What do you mean by check it history? Developments that have tipped over in the past, dishonesty charges, fraud charges, those kind of things. Okay, things that are quite cheap. Pretty significant things. Now, one thing that's important to note, though, is how deep do you go on Google? As a standard, I'd usually recommend first three pages. And you do that not just for the company. You'd do that for every one of the directors. So you'd go onto the New Zealand Companies Register. You'd type in the name of the development company. That'll be Wolfbrook or Brooksfield or whatever it happens to be, maybe a smaller one, and find out who the directors and who the shareholders are. And then you'd Google each of their names, look at the first three pages, see if you find anything. Oh, a bit off. That would give you some pause deciding, hey, I'm not going to go ahead with that. And it'd usually be anything around fraud, anything around cash mismanagement, whether I've not been very good with money or whether I've had companies tip over in the past. I think also another thing, and again, a certain amount of this comes from experience, so you're not going to have necessarily that same experience as someone like myself or Mickey, but I always ask who their professionals are. So I want to know who their lawyer and their accountant is. Now, (laughs) sure enough, there'll be lawyers and accountants or, or accountants sometimes that I'll think, there's no way I want to be involved with anything that they've touched or I'm not going to rely on any of the financial projections that they've provided because I've seen stuff that they've been involved with in the past go bad. And again, if you don't have that experience at home, perhaps you want to ask your accountant or your lawyer if they know that name and if that name is reasonable. And again, you might look in Google and see if you can find anything like that accountant that's co- that's uh, currently up for 800k worth of IRD charges. You know, if that was the accountant, you might think, maybe they're not the right person for me to be involved with. Really, I would have looked at that accountant and thought, oh, good, he's on my side. <laughs> that's a- <laughs> Jason, that's just a joke. <laughs> yeah, just to be clear, that is definitely a joke. The other thing you'd also look at at home is the insolvency register. Has your developer, any of their shareholders, any of their directors been bankrupt in the past? And also, I always go on about this, but I really want you guys to use it, is the New Zealand Legal Information Institute, because this website categorises every single judgment out of the district courts, the Supreme Courts, the employment courts, basically all of the legal processes in New Zealand. I don't think the tenancy tribunals in there, but most of the important ones. And that means you can search through and see, has there been any litigation? Have there been any disputes? That would make me worried. Now, you know, and I always say anybody in New Zealand who's been around in business for a while will have had some disputes, but the question is, were they on the wrong end of it and had they done something seriously wrong? 
And also, one last thing, make sure that at least one director and one shareholder of the company has New Zealand residency. Absolutely. I think that's a really big one. Because we're entering a, a, a year where there will be some developers that go a bit rogue, if they can disappear back overseas and have no recourse here, then it's far more likely to happen if they're an international developer. So you think like some developers might just say, that's it, I'm off to Singapore, I'm going to stay here. It's happened before. Another one that I look at is the New Zealand company's office. And the reason why is I want to see how long they've been incorporated for. And also I check out their website as well. I think if your company doesn't have a website these days, like you don't exist, you don't exist, right? And I want to see completed developments. That's really critical because it shows that they can actually do the job. Also, as Andrew said, you know, reach out to your lawyer, reach out to any builders in the area that you know have you know, been experienced in there, possibly come across them along the way. And also maybe even any real estate agents. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you are thinking about investing in property this year and you want to look at properties from developers who have gone through this sort of process, then it might be time to come in for a portfolio planning session. Easy way to do this, whip out your phone, send us a text, text the word PLAN to 5522. We'll give you a buzz, see if it's the right fit. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.